Hello and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that really flies through at altitude. This is Alan Gardner, back in the saddle and ready to ride again like Mark Wood on his imaginary horse. My thanks to Matt Roller for taking the reins last week. He's still here to provide the youthful running alongside Andrew Miller's old school nouse. And we've managed to haul Mark Butcher out of the England changing room to answer his phone and bring a bit of class to proceedings too. So... England's cricketers were bouncing in Johannesburg thanks to Wood's fire producing another winter warmer at the Wanderers. A convincing victory in the final test secured a 3-1 series win and left South Africa looking flatter than Faf's quiff after a difficult series for Captain Duplessis. First of all, Butch, never mind the problems of the opposition, this was a significant success for Joe Root and his side. Uh, yeah, not off. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they lose in Centurion and um, the doomsayers, um, of which we were all, I suppose, were sort of thinking, oh, wow, this is just, this is going from, going from bad to worse. Um, because when you looked at the, uh, the respective 11s, uh, before the start of the, of the series, I kind of felt that England were the stronger side, sort of overall, man for man. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, with South Africa having to bring in, um, uh, you know, sort of debutants in Van Addison and Nokia, who turned out to be sort of their, their player of the series, I suppose. Um, and, uh, Hamza at three, Noba Boomer, um, sort of Philander looking, looking like, um, like Somerset's greatest ever overseas signing. Um, you know, it, was, it, it kind of, you always just felt that if, if things could kind of get it together and, and put a few runs on the board, that they, that they might very well. Um, turn them over, um, especially after Sri Lanka did the same thing uh, this time last year. So, so the Centurion Test match was a was a, a bit of a, a bit of a shock. But I suppose now you look back on it and see how how sick and ill everybody was. It's no surprise that England were were turned over there. Um, they didn't complain about it, and they just kind of dusted themselves off and then came back with a you know great win at Cape Town. Um, I thought that was, was sort of the standout test match of the series. Um, and then an absolute sort of annihilation of, of, of the host at Port Elizabeth. Um, followed by much of the same in the, in, in the last one as well at, at Johannesburg. Um, and so look, it's, it's, you, know, you can only beat the people you're playing against, right? South Africa were, were pretty dire. Um, and England had lots and lots of things to applaud. Lots of them. Um, not least putting runs on the board in the first innings and test matches, which who would have thought it is actually quite a good idea. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, Miller, th- there are no easier away test wins, but there was certainly a sense that after England had, had clinched that thrilling uh, finish in Cape Town that kind of the momentum was with them for those final two games. Yeah, definitely. I, I think... Um as Butch alluded to, I mean, I, I think I think we all underestimated quite how much that sickness bug took out of them. I mean, it was it was clear it was lingering. It's clear it was spreading to a new person every day. But um, you know, just the, the the general jadedness. It's all very well saying you're fit again after after being down with whatever it was, but clearly there was a, there was energy lost and, and just general lethargy that, that that hung over the even the fit players uh, in that first test. And yeah, they got it out of their system in in, in no uncertain terms. I mean, Ben Stokes rightly named. Man of the series, uh, despite some pretty impressive competition from 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 England players as as it went on, but you know, as as he so often is, the catalyst of everything that England 
did do right uh, in turning the corner. Firstly, of course, he he, he he fronted up and took the field when he too had been feeling rough. Uh, there's Dad's illness in the background as well, which is another shadow to cast over it. But, you know, the, the combination of that ridiculously bombastic innings that just, just up the ante uh, from, from an aggression point of view, and then the wickets and the catches and all the rest of it. After that, once Stokes had sort of set the template, Everyone else was ready to follow, and that again was, I suppose, the the other big plus that you got out of England was the the energy, not only that they got from no longer being ill, but the energy they got from the kids, the kids who all seemed to rally around. I mean, Ollie Pope was talking very effusively about it yesterday, but uh, about how you know Stokes and Root, these senior statesmen in the dressing room, really did sort of inspire them to to up their game. It, it, it seems, you know, and Butch, having been in the dressing room, would know better than anyone. It, it, but it certainly looks like a a very happy camp uh, with the the old and new gelling nicely at the moment. That 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 could only be a good thing. Speaking of energetic kids, Matt, uh, <laughs> it was it was another team performance uh, at Johannesburg. Although Wood was the sort of story of the test with career best figures. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, the um, one of the big positives of the tour is the the, the signs of depth um, that we've maybe not seen from England in recent years. Um, in that, it, it would have been very easy without James Anderson and Rory Burns in particular for them to, uh, and, and Joffrey Archer, I should say as well, for the last three tests, um, for them to look short of their of their um, premium fast bowler or swing bowler, I should say, really now, um, and their and their best opening batsman. Um, but instead, it does look as though they have. Um, that depth which they will probably need we talk a lot about sort of uh, what England's best 11 might be going forward but I think just as important is what their best maybe 17 or 18 that they might take on an Ashes trip in two years time um, is going to be and the fact that they now have six seven eight fast bowlers who or, or seamers at least who look as though they could compete in overseas conditions is a huge plus um, so I think that's the the, the big takeaway from the trip Butch, you uh, got to have some some celebratory uh, drinks at the end of the series. You got invited in. What, what were, you, were you struck by the the sort of atmosphere and camaraderie in the, in the group? Um, yeah, I mean, without sort of wanting to tell tales out of school, it was it was a <laughs> great honour to be invited back into the dressing room for a start. Um, brought back some some lovely memories actually from. Uh, from hundreds of years ago. Uh, so that, first of all, big thanks to um, big thanks to the management and to the captain for allowing that to happen. Um, but I suppose the first thing that you kind of noticed really was the fact that it's kind of, that the, the dressing room sort of revolves around a couple of people, and one of them is Ben Stokes, and the other one's Josh Butler. Funny enough, um, mm-hmm. they were kind of the focal point of a lot of stuff that was that was going on in there. Uh, um, but other than that, you know, you got you got lads in there who or on their first overseas test tour. It's taken them one tour to get a win. I can't I think, I'm not even sure when my first one was. It might even have been the one in the West Indies in 2004. So, you know, it's a, <laughs> they're, they're very, very sweet moments winning away from home. Um, and, you know, some people some people have a spend entire careers without without tasting that very often. So, I mean, it was it was great. The, the youngsters, I'll I, I tell you the other thing about it's a from a from a media and former player point of view, I don't think that there's ever been more um, more sort of sympathetic relationship between the two sides of the, of the fence. Um, they're all incredibly open, incredibly um, happy to sort of to, to share ideas or just talk about what they've been doing, you know, in their days off or whatever it might be. There's a there's an unguardedness about them which is really refreshing. 
um, and an honesty about them, which is really refreshing. And again, you know, you couldn't help but, but wish for all of them to play brilliantly, score hundreds, take every catch, take every wicket. You know, it was um, they were a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to be around. This is something uh, that Jared, Jared Kimber uh, has written about uh, mm. for us, Miller, and, and, and the, this idea of microphone coaching. I think Butch was may have been quoted a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed. I mean, uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, actually, we got sent, sent a picture during the test match of uh, Rassi uh, looking on intently as I think it was the morning of the of the final day, and and um, there was there was NASA sort of showing how to how to bat a rear guard in, in PE, uh, in, yeah. uh, after his uh, um, somewhat skittish uh, display against Don Bess. Indeed, or, and, or Joe Root actually, I think it was. I think it was. That's right. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, NASA. There's a picture of NASA right right out on the front dog, head over the ball, and and showing how how to how to do it. And he's he's in there stroking his stroking his chin and and taking it all in, which uh, you know, as as, as Jarrah's piece alludes, it's not so long ago that, 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 that punditry did not go into detail. I mean, he, he mentioned Simon Hughes and the analyst and, and how that sort of changed, changed the way that, uh, that TV looked at, uh, at techniques in sort of real time. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, I've been watching some of the stuff Butch does in the studio as well. And you know, it, it is fascinating as, as lay, lay people who, who never had the chance to, to test our techniques in, at the highest level, just, 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 just think, my God, how, could, how good could you be if, if, you, if you could take all of this detail and, and crunch it down into, into something. And, and clearly, there's so much information, so much analysis going around, it'd be, you'd be unwise not to open your ears to it. Um, there was, uh, as Matt alluded to, uh, there was no Joffre Arch for this final test, and, um, but it, uh, obviously his elbow flared up on, on, the, on the morning of the match. Um, but England, uh, there was a real sort of feel-good story here, England able to, to call again upon their uh, glass-half-full Geordie to, to give it a smash with bat and ball. Um, he finished the series with a batting average of 47.5 and a bowling average of 13.58. Um, you know, Butch, as a former England all-rounder yourself, <laughs> how, impressive, uh, how impressive was he? Yeah, it was just brilliant. Um, you know, it was hilarious listening to him um, before the the which was was partnership was it the one at the one at Port Elizabeth where he came out and had a had a flash. Um, I think that was the first because it happened again. Obviously, they had the record at the Wanderers of eighty two, wasn't it? The, the record tenth cricket partnership at the Wanderers. But in the first game at Port Elizabeth, he sort of said he went out there and he had no intention whatsoever of doing anything but just trying to stay in. And then, for some reason, something just sort of overtook him, and he just started to smash it to all parts. <laughs> he said he had no, you know, he had no intention that was what he was going to do. Um, and it's like somebody took over his arms and legs and started just just thrash it everywhere. Um, so yeah, I mean that's brilliant. He's just he's kind of you know I call him Tigger on uh, on, on commentary because that's what he's like out there in the field. He's just bouncing around the place and kind of geeing everybody up. Um, and then with the ball, you know, once you kind of get over the idea that. He, He's kind of wincing every time he sort of falls over it through his delivery stride, or you know he gets into a fourth or fifth over of a spell, and you're thinking, oh no, is that one too many? Once that once that sort of leaves the picture, you just it's just thrilling to watch a guy who, who literally runs up and um, and bowls every single ball as though it might be his last, um, which it might well be, I suppose. <laughs> but it's kind of you know a, a hundred absolute hundred percent sort of balls to the wall effort and um, you know it's thrilling it really is and it's to, I mean, watching it on TV it looks pretty good but seeing it live is um, you know is one of the great any any time there's a, a genuine fast bowler knocking around it elevates the sport and um, and he elevated it 
make no mistake. I was at nine for a hundred in that test match on the pitch. It was pretty flat, to be fair. Yeah, carried and whatever else, but there wasn't a lot in it. Um, and he was uh, he was too hot to handle at times. A genuine pace and, and, a, and a genuine love for the game, Matt. He uh, seems to sort of mm. just flow through everything that uh, that he does on the field. Yeah, definitely. I think it it, it, it was very easy to forget throughout that. Um, that test because of how well he bowled um that this was the first time since i think 2017 that he's played back-to-back tests um it, it was pretty these two games were his f- first cricket of any sort really since the world cup final um and it would have been so easy for england to wrap him in cotton wool um and i think also i think to be fair this this he was saying on tv he's sort of got this growing acceptance um of the idea that you know he probably isn't ever going to play five tests in a five test series um, but if he can be used for two of them and be at his best and be captained well and bowl in short four over spells and um, be ma- be managed properly, then he can be a real match winner for England in a way that um, not many fast bowlers have been in recent years. Um, and it's quite interesting to see that as a departure, I suppose, from the usual um, what we usually see with a fast bowler which is that they have to be managed so that they can play as much as possible, get through as many overs as possible which is often to the detriment of their, their skill which is bowling really fast Yeah, I mean it was very interesting actually listening to Roots at the end of the series um, actually Silverwood said much the same but uh, really talking in terms of Wood being the man in possession now is the fast guy and then but also said that you know we've got Joffre in the wings when he needs a break that's a really fascinating way to you know Joffre there he was being bowled 44 over spells and uh, only only a couple of days ago and now suddenly they're talking about him as the sort of backup to a guy who's going to bowl four over spells I mean England have learnt really quickly eh? um, although you know uh, on that note there was that one one spell what, what was it La- last Last few overs of the day in Port Elizabeth, where I think he bowled a six, uh, Wood bowled a six over mm. spell, and everybody knew that was two overs too many. His, his pace was in the high 80s as opposed to the low 90s. And he admitted afterwards that he'd really been, fe- he'd been feeling it, he'd been watching the speed gun. And again, I just felt that Joe Root is learning, but I just thought, careful, you know, y- y- you can watch the speed gun too. You can see that he's straining himself in a mm. way that, that he clearly wasn't the rest of the day. And, and obviously, we saw that sort of that, that process, but whereby Archer went lame on the morning at, at, at uh, Joburg, and Woods sort of said, "You know what, Captain? I'll, I'll, if you need me, I'm I'm ready to roll." I mean, he he didn't exactly put his his fitness on the line there, but but he clearly wasn't entirely convinced he'd get through it, having felt so sore as a consequence of a little bit of overuse. So it's so it's so dicey, isn't it? I mean, you, know, you think back to. The way that Mitchell Johnson wrecked England in 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 2013-14. I mean, I don't think he bowled more than four over spell at any stage in the in the series. He just uh, kept bowling four over spells that 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 did the job, <laughs> and that's got to be the template for Wood going forward, and maybe even for for Archer too. I mean, depends really what England want him to be because he's more versatile in that. You know, obviously his some of his best bowling in Tests and ODIs have come when he pitches the ball up and tries to hit the seam and looks for movement and skill. But equally, you know, if you do want him to bend his back, just say, right, Joff, now's the time to have one of these wrecking ball spells. It, it, it's it's difficult to manage, uh, but England have got an opportunity to manage it because they suddenly seem to have a, a breadth of, of options that only a couple of weeks ago they didn't seem to have at all. So progress on, on the fast bowling front and, and, you know, who knows if Ollie Stone and, and other guys of that ilk can, can get fit and also be used sympathetically in, you know, one or two tests a series rather than being expected to run in all the time. 
Ben England do have that, that pack of fast bowlers who can rotate in and out and give them a chance. Um, on the subject of, of handling fast bowlers, handling um, Jofra Archer, who has uh, subsequently been ruled out of England's T20 series in South Africa with that elbow problem... Um, Kevin Peterson had his say uh, before the uh, the final test. Jofra Archer has since sort of spoken in an interview. Um, he referred to sort of Root giving him some reassurance when he when he sort of broke down on that morning and and say, sort of saying how he was important to their plans and so on. Um, Butch, you've been around the the camp for the last few weeks. How, how do you think mm. um, they're getting to grips with with um, you know Archer and kind of having a player of that? Um, talent and, and, and ability, uh, but who needs to be uh, looked after at times? Yeah, he does. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how how on the money KP's sort of assessment of mm. Archer's was, and where he kind there. of gleaned. It was. I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I, if you heard the interview I did with him, I was kind of angling or trying to get out of him. Okay, well, so you're, you're, you're saying that. He needs X, Y, and Z. He needs to be treated um, as, as something and somebody special. How? What would you do? And sort of, KP wouldn't give me an answer. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much of that was was um, was projection or how much of that was actually what exactly what's going on. But what I do think is that, is that with Joffre, um, that, he, that he is slightly he's slightly apart from from the rest of the team. It's kind of it didn't seem as though he had a, a maybe a, a sort of a kindred spirit in that side, which wasn't say, to say that the rest of them ignored him and didn't want anything to do with him. It's just you know that some people, some guys sort of you know are slightly different in their in their outlook and things. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it's a case that he didn't want to play Test cricket. I certainly I mean he was gutted when he when he missed out that last Test match. I mean that was plain for everybody to see. Um, and I think at the moment his body is just is still recovering from from last summer. I, I, I don't think that there's anything more to it than that. Um, that he's got he's got some niggles, he's got some pain, um, and you know he'd love to he'd love to be out there playing bowling as fast as he possibly could. Um, but at the moment, it's not it's not possible for him to do so. Um, and so it, it could be the best thing that happens for him that he has a bit of a break anyway. Gets away, gets back home. Um, gets himself sorted out, and is ready to hit the hit the next summer um, at home. So, but I, I'm not too I'm not too worried about about Joplin, To be perfectly honest with you, I think that England still are still not quite um, don't still quite have the, the the template for how they're going to get the best out of him. But I think the more the more the team wins, the more the team puts big runs on the board, the more the team is convinced that having a specialist spin on your side is not a bad idea as well as scoring those runs. <laughs> then you know you're not if you're not because the problem for Joffre has been in the test matches that he's played in England haven't scored new runs Joe Root has had to use him to chase the game and therefore the temptation is always to turn to your most potent weapon and keep turning to him you know keep going to the well um, you know however if he's got the chance to play in one of these two test matches where England have put 400 and 500 on the board it might be a very different story indeed so mm. look, you know the, the the team and the, and the makeup of the team and, and, the, and the type of cricket that you play can sometimes have more of a say in the way that you take care of certain bowlers and certain assets than anything else. You know? So let's let's just 
let's just keep our powder dry on this on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, England broke broke your commandment again in uh, in Joburg. I noticed, but no spinner. But they uh, did. Um, <laughs> they did. It's almost like they're not I paying mean, attention. It is like they're not paying attention. And again, there were there were periods in that game, um, in the game where we're having we're having one. You know, particularly one who was bold as well as Don Bess has done in the previous two test matches would have been very handy for them. Um, and it would have been extremely harsh. Um, but I, like I said on the last part, I would have left out Sam Curran for this one. Because on the, on these, on sort of like these harder, bouncier pitches where there isn't a great deal in the way of sort of either grip or, um, you know, swing, et cetera, et cetera, he starts to look like the, the guy that kind of gets ignored a little bit in the, in the bowling lineup. And yes, he's very talented with the bat and all that kind of stuff. But that surface would have suited, I think, mm. um, you know, would have would have suited a more balanced attack than the one that we had. But never mind, we scored mm. 400 runs and we won the game anyway. <laughs> Indeed, uh, good headaches to have, as Chris Silverwood uh, said afterwards. Um, on on Archer, it does sound like there's a possibility of him missing the Sri Lanka tour as well. If if the elbow is, you know, if there's any doubt over the elbow, and Matt, with a with a T20 World Cup at the end of the year, uh, and that format being the priority it, it almost makes sense yeah 100 um it's a bit of a shame actually that he misses this t20i series just because he'll have played such so little t20 cricket for um for england before that world cup because he, i think he played one against pakistan mm-hmm. um at the start of last summer but hasn't played since um so i hope that um he does actually get an extended run before that tournament and uh, well, it's not that hard to work out that you bowl them two, two up top and two at the death <laughs> in T20, but um, it, you know it would be good for him to at least get the opportunity to bet in. But yeah, I, I, it, there's no point in taking him to Sri Lanka if um, the pitches turn as much as they did last time. The suggestion seems to be, um, I don't know whether this is based on fact particularly or just an assumption, that um, the pitches will probably be a little bit flatter. Um uh, on the tour in March, um, so maybe he'd be useful there. But yeah, I, ho- I hope that they um, think long term rather than flogging him to death in uh, Gaul and Colombo. Uh, and he'll have the IPL thereafter to uh, remind us all of his T20 abilities. Um, Miller, while Wood was tearing it up, uh, Vernon Philander was tearing his hamstring. Uh, <laughs> Big Vern headed off into retirement with uh, figures of 251, scores of 4 and 10, and a demerit point uh, in his pocket as well. Was this the worst finale since the last episode of Seinfeld? It was pretty pretty dismal, wasn't it? I mean, what a, what a way to go. Nine balls into your final spell in a losing cause, and off you go. I mean, it, it was miserable. It was nice to see, you know, after his final test innings, again, another another bit of a damp squib of a, of a performance from a guy who I think could have, could have, could have put an awful lot more hum- humpty into his batting in... I mean, I think he averaged 22 ultimately, which was no no bad thing at all. But uh, in this series, I think he got out in the first over of the day on three or four occasions, mm. didn't he? So he's just like looked like he was surrendering a bit. But at least he got a, got a send off from a few of the players and a nice one change <laughs> and 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 a guard of honour as he got to the top of the tunnel from his teammates. So you know they, they gave they gave him the, 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 the a fitting send off for for a, a very fine career. But uh, but no, wasn't 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 the the exit he he had earned, frankly, because you know when you when you take two hundred two hundred wickets at, at twenty two. Um, there's no no quibbling about your 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 status as, as as a superb bowler. I mean, you know, he's a guy who's a bit of a throwback, really, a genuine medium pacer. Uh, I mean, swing bowler fundamentally, but uh, he, you know, Anderson in his pomp has had more zip 
you know, it's sort of mid eighties sort of standard pace for him. Whereas Burns very much sort of high seventies, low eighties is, is, is his, his chugging along. But, uh, because he just gets that seam position prominent, challenges both sides of the bat, gets some nip off a good length. I mean, he's, he's devastating in the right conditions and, 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 and damn fine in the wrong conditions. And, uh, uh, I, I'm sure you know his his time at Somerset will um, will be a, a nice quiet uh, you know, meander into the Somerset. But uh, he's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a shame it's a shame for you know it epitomises the state of South and cricket that um, you know another of their great bowlers is 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 sort of disappearing and naughtier aside they haven't really got anyone out of the series who who looks fit to lace the boots of the likes of Morkelstein and Philander. Butcher, of mm. course, would have, would have dropped him uh, two tests before. <laughs> well, yeah, I would have. I mean, I think. I mean, there's a there's a bigger there's a probably bigger, back that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there is your example as to why the whole um, announcing your retirement and then doing a lap of honour around it is, is complete and utter nonsense. Um, because you know, funnily enough, South Africa in the field um, on the in England second innings whereas were much zippier much sort of more um, much more sort of up for, up for the for the fight the body language around the team was better the bowling was better the fielding was better everything was better once he was off the field um, you know no it was I mean it, it just it was it was noticeable that they kind of like they were just snappier you know as a team um, and it's a real shame because obviously you've mentioned his numbers you know 22.29 and yeah, but there, but it was also obvious that there are certain places where he would rather he'd rather bowl if the ball was brand new and if it was doing a bit. But if it wasn't, he'd rather not at all. You know, he'd sort of be not uh, trying not to catch the eye of his captain scratching away down on the uh, on the boundary edge. So it was an ignominious finish, put it that way, for for a player whose numbers and whose record um, is as good as his has been. Um, perhaps I mean one of the reasons uh, that he was lacking in new ball success certainly over the, the last couple of tests um, England demonstrated the value of some uh, proper batsmanship in the top three uh, Dom Sibley, Zach Corbyn mm. and perhaps to a lesser extent Joe Denley um, but um, Butch that's the, the base that England have been crying out for Yep um, and you know they, they've learned unbelievably quickly uh, the, the the two of them, the two young ones. Um, you add Rory Burns to that, and you've got you know you've got a proper a, a proper top three, haven't you? Um, you'd probably say Crawley would be the, the 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 guy that you would put at three, perhaps, and have Burns and Sibley open the batting together. But I don't you know depending on who's more keen to do it, I would have thought. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that all looks pretty good. And, and as for as for Joe Denley, um, I think. I mean, I think you might have said this in a podcast when when they first picked him or when they were taking him on the tour, was that you could end up getting something that you didn't expect, i.e. he goes out there and scores a, a whole bunch of runs and you've had a bonus selection. But I think the, the, the premise under which he was picked was actually is a soundish one in that you put somebody in there who was experienced, somebody in there would be able to go out there and kind of and stop you being 30 to 3. Um, if he then went on and scored, scored big runs, brilliant. But if he didn't, then it's not the end of the world because eventually you're going to, you're going to sort of swap him out for somebody else for when something better comes along. And I think that's, I think that's the position we're at with Joe, which is, you know, it's a real shame for him because there are times where you thought, oh, 
he's going to crack it here and he's going to make a big one. And he kind of needed to do that in order to give himself more time and a bit more space. Um, but I'd be very, very surprised if we saw him on the plane to Sri Lanka. Um, you know, the way he played spin in the series, Maharaj kind of just could bowl maiden after maiden after maiden at him. Um, and, you know, he's not going to get a great deal of change. Uh, out of uh, out of spin bowlers in Sri Lanka, so I would imagine that that might be the last we see of him at, at number three. I mean, there was a there was a magnificent stat emerged at the end of the series <laughs> that um, I think it's his 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 career record is now exactly I think seven hundred eighty runs at thirty, and he scored two hundred ten runs mm-hmm. at thirty point zero zero on the <laughs> on the nose in the series. Absolute perfection of of of. Number crunching there from 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 man. Oh, I, I think I think he's done a very very important role for England. He's been a he's been a placeholder for so for, for England at number three. A guy who you know how many runs has he bought for Zach Crawley and Ollie Pope in the future of their careers? Because he's he's got through an Ashes series. Either of them, if they've been picked during during the summer last summer and expected to go in and, and front up at number three when no one else wanted the job, or open, or, or go open, to number four. or go to number four, <laughs> or move all over the place, and they'd have been torn a new one by by the best pace attack in the world. India can argue the toss, but I, I think uh, Australia <laughs> Australia have certainly certainly put put up the put up the, the marker in recent times, and um, you know they got through that summer with Denley doing a vital job. And now Crawley and, and, and Sibley and Co have, are now in a position where they can they can compete at the top of the order. Pope is bedding in at number six. He can move up to number three one day when he's ready. But you know, I, I, I don't think any of that would have been possible if if England had spent last summer faffing around trying to find someone, anyone, to volunteer for that role if it hadn't been Denley. Thirty point zero zero is an okay batting average, isn't it? Yeah, he completely. All credit to him. He completely fulfilled the uh, the okay cricketer moniker I gave him. But yeah, it's he, he was a perfectly valiant stopgap. Um, I think that's that's probably what he'll be remembered as. Um, and yeah, fair enough. His his job is done. I have a little more to say. It wasn't always the prettiest, but um, he he did his job very well. Um, Sibley and Crawley. Uh, they uh, put together three successive uh, 50-plus opening stands, first time since Cook and Compton in 2012. Um, Rory Burns comes back into the mix, not in Sri Lanka, but probably in the summer. Um, but Dom and, Dom and Zach are now off to play for the Lions in Oz. Is that sort of ideal preparation for Sri Lanka, uh, Miller? I, I'm, I'm No. Over to you, Butch. So you, you, you go first. Can you go no. first? No. That might be a one-word well, answer. It? I mean, it's, it's, no, it isn't. I mean, it's daft. Um, yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's daft, Miller? Um, well, my, my, my view on this is that uh, at least, you know, by playing first-class cricket, they're getting... They're getting their heads around this this notion of, of batting time, which you know is obviously they cle- clearly have made a start on that with with their efforts in the series. But you know, increasingly, it's it's obvious that England are taking a route with their their youngsters. They're, they're sort of, I, I think, um, uh, Mo Bobbert in in the interview that, that Matt did with the other day, sort of saying that they're bypassing the county championship increasingly because they don't think it's fit for purpose in in terms of preparing Test cricketers, and so blooding these youngsters aged twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Throwing them in at the deep end of Test cricket, making them learn within the England system, whether it's whether it's Test cricket in 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 South Africa or going to Sri Lanka or, or the Lions in in Australia, it's still within the same environment, aren't they? They, they? they try to replicate the Lions environment to make it as close to the Test environment as possible. They can 
it's it, interchangeable in in terms of you know wearing the same badge and the mentality and all the other all the other gubbins they got around it. So you know whether 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 or not it's it's ideal preparation, at least it's some preparation. Like say Johnny Bairstow, who looks like he's going to get, get thrown back mm. into the squad in uh, for the Sri Lanka tour, despite yet again not having got around to playing any first class cricket between the last time he was dropped and and well that 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 one Test match in in Centurion when he barely played at all. So. Um, any preparation is better than no preparation is, 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 is my, my, my short answer to that. Yeah, I'd also jump in there and say while it might not be ideal preparation for the Sri Lanka tour, it is about as good preparation as they can get for that Asher series that we keep coming back to because it seems to be the focus coming out of the, the dressing room and the management. Um, and realistically, if those two are to be two of England's top three on that tour, then they're not going to have many opportunities to play in Australia between now and that tour um, because they'll be in India next winter. Um, and as a result, playing first-class games against, um, I think, a Cricket Australia team and then an Australia A team uh, on bouncy pitches against a good standard of opposition is about as good as you could get for that tour. Um, so, it, I don't know, maybe there's some method in the madness. Um, we keep coming back to that uh, that Ashes 2021-22 um, series as kind of the goal, uh, England creating their template. Um, Australia, South Africa are often... Uh, Likened to each other as places to tour, you know, tough uh, conditions, bounce, uh, kookaburra ball, all that. Um, but Butch, England don't have a great history of success in Australia, and yet they haven't lost in South Africa since 1999, 2000. Yeah. A tour, a tour, yeah, which, a tour uh, we should remember, I guess. <laughs> well, a bit, I mean, very small bit of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's a bit, well, listen, England. South Africa up until this test series has been the, the, the almost the closest fought um, battle of, of them all since readmission. Um, I think I've just taken a little two a two test match lead in the fifty uh, something games that have been played, um, and uh, and the reason for that is pretty much because we play relatively similarly. You know, ne- never not until Swan anyway been blessed with a sort of like a world class spinner it's always been very much based around seeing batting against and, and bowling um, and so there, there are a lot of similarities really in uh, in, in our cricket uh, you know and maybe the ball just does move a little bit more in South Africa than it does in Australia it's not, they're not quite as similar as you thought which tells you something else which is that it's not necessarily the ball it's the, it's the surfaces on that make all the difference um, and so, you know, South African pitches are that they in Australia they like them to be to be brown, hard, and flat, don't they? They don't want them to move sideways or anything like that. In South Africa, they're a little bit more disposed to having the ball move sideways because of the the nature of their bowling attacks over the years. So that will explain it, I think, pretty more than pretty much uh, more than anything else. Indeed, it's been certainly uh, entertaining stuff. Uh, but before we let you go, um, I, I just wanted to check that uh, in your your uh, your visit to the the changing rooms you um got hold of ben stokes and told him where he's going wrong with his catching <laughs> no i forgot actually it didn't seem oh. funnily enough funnily enough, funnily enough <laughs> it didn't seem like it was the right moment <laughs> uh, well, fair no, but it was, no like i said it was it was brilliant to be in there and you know absolutely cherish the uh the, the, the opportunity to get back into that environment again it was, it was very very nice Sentimental old me. <laughs> oh well, I think we're we're all allowed a bit of that, and you've you've still got a couple of weeks in which to get older, Ben, and uh, uh, sort out that <laughs> stance in the slips. Um, 
Thanks for your time. <laughs> we'll we'll let you get back to yeah. your white ball drills before the ODIs start on Tuesday. Okay, no worries. I shall be smacking it out of the park imminently. <laughs> as as always, cheers, Butch. Right, well, let's get back into it. Still plenty more to talk about. Um, Matt, you wrote an in-depth piece before the fourth test about uh, how England have been using Joss Butler since he returned to the test side in 2018. The question, is it time to Joss stick or twist? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I, I, what I think uh, should happen is that he should be left out of the uh, squad to go to Sri Lanka. But I don't think that that should be um, some terminal thing. I think he's clearly um, interesting to hear Butch's point about his uh, his sort of authority within the dressing room, which is something that um, we don't necessarily see from afar. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think that being left out of that Sri Lanka squad should be the end of Joss Butler's Test career. Um, I think there's there's still a, um, a it, it, there's definitely a feeling that he has a lot more to give than a Test average in the low 30s. I think. If he's if if England pick and choose um, which series he's he's suitable for, um, pick and choose which cricket he does and doesn't play, um, and sort of you know have an open discussion with him about what, where he sees himself um, as a player, um, then that's probably the best way to, to to get the most out of him. I think it's it, in a way there's a sort of a clear inverse with um, with Glenn Maxwell, which is that while it's easy when you're sort of watching their every move to think. Uh, you know, something's not quite right here. If you ask most England fans um, whether or not they'd want to play against Glenn Maxwell or, say, Peter Hanscom in the next Ashes series, I think most of them would buy your hand off for Hanscom. And ditto, I think most Australia fans would say that they'd much rather play against um, Ben Folkes than against Joss Butler. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 his dismissal in the second innings it looked like um, that of a man with a scrambled mind, but equally... He was trying to to be positive in the way that um, I think his role in the team dictates in pretty much a similar situation. Huge runs on the board, huge lead. Um, He got a quick 20. It didn't really matter if he got a quick 20 or a quick 50 because it made very little difference to the game situation. Um, But yeah, I, I would be... I think it would be a shame for him to go on the Sri Lanka tour and to be further scrutinised, a good player of spin though he is. Um, And instead, I think it would benefit both parties for him to stay at home, have a couple of weeks off uh, with his young family and sort of recharge the batteries um, before going into what is, you know, it's always a busy season for him, but going from the IPL into the home season into a T20 World Cup. Um, Miller, does that move us on to the next uh, round of um, Bearstow, folks, Butler, wicketkeeping roulette? Doesn't it just? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, folks, sounds like it's a, a done deal to come back in, in in some some capacity, probably probably straight in. But who knows? But it, but it, it is it is fascinating though. Just just um, I mean, been looking a little bit closer. Just the increasing sort of separation of powers between Test and One Day cricket at the moment, uh, because you know, if folks does come back in, essentially you're looking at for the first time almost ever that England uh, England's Test and One Day teams are completely different. Without with one notable exception being Ben Stokes. And maybe two other potential exceptions being Joffrey uh, Archer and Mark Woods. So basically, you're looking at the the key all rounder and the key quicks 
those are the only two who are real there are real tug of wars over because uh, and Joe Root's still desperately trying to Joe keep Root him. wants to be a part of the tug of war but increasingly you saw, saw his, the way he batted in, in uh, Joburg when everyone else is teeing off the other end he's trying to see off and not nailing his re- ramps and reverses and all the rest of it I mean poor chap he's just he's out of practice when it comes to trying to trying to play the one day white ball game because he's obviously been so concentrating so much on, 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 his, on his test form of late so if we take it take it that that Root is out is the one guy who is being squeezed out of the picture more because England want to keep him for Test cricket. You're looking at well, Roy has been tried and, and and failed at the top of the Test order. Bairstow, the jury's out. Butler, the jury's out. Um, I mean, folks, the jury's in. Uh, in, in and then Sibley and Crawley and 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 well, Denley to a degree. But uh, these guys, there's, there's, I've never seen England's Test and white ball teams quite so specialised in this way and, and it's a fascinating um, start, to, start of a new process I suppose the, the one real fly in the ointment really where that's concerned is Ollie Pope and the way he played uh, towards the end of his century with, with the, his ramping ramping uh, rabada over his head and, and, and Nokia reverse swatting and all the rest of it he's clearly got a white ball game he obviously you know he's made made white ball runs for, for Surrey it's only going to be a matter of time before he's in the, he's in the picture what does that do to his, his burgeoning test career it's, it's, it's all up for grabs um, but that's why it's going to be so interesting to watch uh, England's. Um, you know, they've got this this twin twin focus: the, the two year cycle to get to the Ashes, the four year cycle to defend their World Cup, and somewhere along the lines they're going to have to make compromises. And a, and a couple of T Twenty World Cups in between that too. Um, one other uh, selection uh, poser for, for Ed Smith, and it's been talked about uh, a plenty. But, uh, but Keaton Jennings and, and and the return in Sri Lanka. Uh, do we still think that's on Matt? He is on the the Lions party uh, going to Australia over the next uh, sort of uh, three or four weeks, and and could make an impression there. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see um, whether they do decide to go down that route in the end. I think there's a sort of there's, there's a weird thing about the conversation around Jennings, which is that um, I think a lot of people want to write him off as this completely failed player because of the fact that he he dropped out of the side so dramatically almost after that. You know, there was some there's some pretty torturous innings towards the end. I remember on the uh, after his sort of surprise recall in the Caribbean for the third test, he had one horrible innings where he kept on playing and missing outside off stump, and it looked like a done. Deal. But I think people forget as well that he's he's 27. He could still be a two or three year England player if if he manages to sort that out. Um, and he's he's clearly working hard at his game. Um, I think he he came out well from that spin camp in Mumbai. Um, who knows? Maybe if he he scores a few a couple of tons, then he could be um he could sort of catapult himself into contention. I think there's a there's a chance he goes as sort of spare batsman. I'd be surprised. Um, at this point, um, to see him thrown into into the uh, the side for the first test, but equally, who knows if he scores a couple of tons in the warm up games? Who's uh, who's to who's to say otherwise? And also, the, the other thing I suppose is that I mean, it's it's a long term uh, to say it's a long term ambition of, of, of Smith probably overplays it. But I remember when Smith uh, made his comments about David Milan a few years ago, saying that he's this he's better suited to cricket outside of England. Um, basically, Milan Milan took, got got a bit of a hump at that, <laughs> that suggestion, um, and and you know hasn't really gone anywhere with the Test career, career since. But Smith is still the chairman of selectors. He's still the guy who who's making making these judgments about the value of certain players in certain conditions, and that. That judgment that he made on Milan is is equally applicable and more so applicable to to, to Jennings and and maybe even other players who, who we we yet to try out in all conditions. So, you know, 
it, it may be that you know sending off sending Crawley and Co down to the ashes with down to Australia with the ashes in view uh, is 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 another part of that 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 jigsaw finding players who can who can perform the role in the right conditions at the right moment and and again it all it all lends itself to the squad mentality I think you know you see it in Premier League football it's 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 taken an awful lot longer for it to sort of permeate cricket for whatever reason uh, but it it does if if the issue of burnout and overworking players is is a live one as we know it is then surely increasing the options available to a team to allow people to get used to the idea that you play two or three tests of a series and and that's not a slight on your performance or your or your abilities it's just a fact of of getting the best out of the the tools at your disposal then you know that that that, that that's that's got to count as progress it's almost a, a strange sort of echo of what happened in Sri Lanka a couple of winters ago when when, when England were blessed with options so many options that ultimately they, they sent one of their options Ollie Pope off to join the Lions because he was he was surplus I mean that, that again that, that's a good problem to have and I think if England can foster this it gives them all the better chance of, of, of competing strongly in, in, in different conditions particularly in India and Australia um, if England's cupboard is looking more well stocked, where are we with uh, South African cricket, and uh, and is this a low ebb? Um, uh, Rassi van der Dussen missed out on what would have been a, a maiden Test hundred in in that um, fourth innings at Johannesburg. He was clearly a find. Uh, Anrik Norkia was impressive, as as you've touched upon. Um, Peter Milan. Uh, Gave um, a couple of decent displays at the top of the order and, and showed some grit. Buren Hendricks took a debut five, for, <laughs> but uh, but these are tough times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they've never been at a lower ebb. Um, I, you know, I've, I've um, obviously I've, I don't remember watching them before uh, before apartheid. But um, you know, certainly you, you think back to the the, the team that that. that the golden generation in the 1970s that, that lost their opportunity, then the great generation that came back the, 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 and, and, and performed, almost hit the ground running as the moment they got back into Test cricket, and now we're left with with this situation whereby they, you know, between injury, suspension, and, and colpacks, essentially with transformation in the background causing further imbalance, um, there's there's an awful lot of issues that. that can't be worked out overnight. I mean, you know, obviously Graham Smith as, as director of cricket, you know, he's got a big, a, a big status um, and a big opportunity because you know he is he is a he's a, a big character who can make big calls given half a chance. Uh, but you know, one of the things that maybe they need to start looking at is the you know the going down the the, the, the route they take with with overseas players in rugby and saying you know you can you can be you can you can play for your county but you're still contracted to your country and go back and play for them. You've got the Colpack issue and. You know, See Brexit's going <laughs> to kick off tomorrow, so um, you know <laughs> there's all sorts. Brexit Eve, yeah, there's all yeah. sorts of all sorts of changes. To the regulations are going to come in on that front anyway, but um, that may that may be the first key step is work out what is the status of guys guys who have who have committed to county cricket over international cricket. Is there any way to for for the likes of Carl Abbott say to to have their cake and eat it? And if so, that creates opportunities for. For, for them to cover off the, the clear financial imbalance that exists within the South African structure, because you know the, the rand is free falling, and then that, that is that is a you know a fundamental problem that they've got in their cricket that they can't afford to play, pay the players what they get elsewhere. So, of course, they're not going to have the quality on on the pitch. It, it, it is a professional game ultimately, and they've got to find a way to to, to square that circle. But um, uh, yeah, I've never known them in a more 
low ebb and it, it's vitally important for the, the health of world cricket that they come out of it because you're just like West Indies in a low ebb or England in a low ebb it, you know you take out one of these massive pillars of the, the world game and everyone loses um, they were obviously missing Kagisa Rabada for, for this final test for disciplinary issues Vernon Philando will uh, not be pulling on his whites anymore and uh, Faf Duplessis Matt uh, a lot of question marks over over his future. Yeah, I think by the, by the sounds of things, he'll probably cling on for the two tests in the Caribbean um, next year, which will probably be a, actually an interesting test as to just where they are, because um, it's easy for us to say because of the fact they lost three tests in India quite comprehensively, but then again, everyone does, um, and then lost at home to a decent but developing England side that everything is awful but if they were to you know if they were to get a one-all draw in the Caribbean that would probably be a pretty good result um and yeah it's um Faf didn't look particularly inspiring for most of the um series and I think particularly in that uh 82 run stand I think it was for the 10th wicket um mm. in England's first innings uh it all looked a little uh well Joe Root almost style um, <laughs> if you think back to how he was on that final morning in Port Elizabeth but um, yeah no I think um, I think Faf will stick around until um, as test captain at least until the end of the, this series in the Caribbean and will probably um, sort of step down more permanently after the T20 World Cup by the sounds of things um, he will if he does so have, have a chance to earn a few more World Test Championship points uh, South Africa became the first team to be docked Championship points for their slow overrate. Punitive. Yeah, I can't <laughs> I really. Mean, we've all been studying the table closely, yeah. I'm sure, in the wake of this series. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, to be, to, to be, to be frank, that, that that really did take me by surprise. That that you know, obviously, the, the, we're well aware of the demerit points flying around. It's, mm-hmm. it's been it's been 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 hot topic, but then suddenly the the sixty percent wump that came in the morning after saying slow over eight. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get my, my, I don't get hot under the collar about slow over eights, especially no. in matches that uh, are won within, uh, with a day to yeah. spare by, by the best part of an innings. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it's a strange, strange knickers to get you to get in a twist. Would you rather have, um, Ravi Jadeja darting it in off two paces all day long or have someone steaming in from yeah. the sight screen? Um, and bowling like the wind. I mean, I know what I'd rather have, and if it means I get twelve overs an hour instead of eighteen, I don't care. I want yeah. quality, not quantity. Yeah, right? if they if they fired in a few few overs of Dean Elgar instead of one of Norkia's spells, they would probably have been fine. All gone exactly. home with a full paycheck. But and um, does the, does the game yeah. win? I don't know. I, I I've yeah, I've never particularly cared about them. I yeah, I did think it was a bit odd as well that they got punished, and yet I, I'm sure during the Ashes there, were, there was a fair bit of rumbling about teams being behind, and nothing seemed to come of that. But yeah, who knows? Conspiracy. It's the big three, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's some arcane uh, magic by which they determine these things. Of course, you're referring to India's Mr. Undroppable, Ravindra Dadeja there. Of course. Um, <laughs> anyway, England up to third in the test rankings, uh, the uh, Spoons era showing signs of improvement. Next, it's on to our traditional strength, a bit of <laughs> one-day Humpty as... Uh, Owen Morgan returns to lead the 50-over side for the first time since that balmy Lord's evening in July. Uh, although it's a bit of a new era here too, uh, with T20s the priority in terms of global tournaments, uh, and some young blood being introduced to the ODI setup. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? The 50 over teams kind of the development team all of a sudden. You go from world champions to, to tr- testing the kids in, in, in a matter of, matter of weeks. Just like it will be in, in the county summer, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 Setting the template. It's fascinating. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, the likes of Mahmood and Banton, guys who are on the fringes but have clearly got an opportunity with, with back-to-back World T20s to come. Um, get them game time. I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing seeing what they can do, frankly. And... Uh, Moeen Ali back for his first uh, England appearance since the Edgebuston Test. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see exactly what he what he does. Um, I, I assume he'll walk straight into the team, but um, yeah, I, it, it'll be. Um, I think it'll be nice to see him back in England colours as much as anything. There's been so much speculation, so much chat um, about him over the past six months, and a lot of it, I think, quite unfair um, because pe- people speculate when they don't know his situation and his intentions so um yeah i i I hope for his sake that um he has a good white ball leg of this tour um and has the opportunity to to sort of front up to the media and put to put to bed any suggestion that he doesn't um sort of want to play for england i mean all all things being equal i mean moeen moeen is pretty much first name on the team sheet for the the 20 over team as far as i'm concerned I mean, given that he's a, he's you know the, the the style of his batting, that that languid explosion. He's a guy. He's a guy who does not even take a sighter to have a swing. And, and if he connects, it's six. If he misses, it's he's out next. And if he connects for one six, he generally connects for about six. And so you know his batting is perfectly tuned to the shorter the shorter of the shorter forms and as as a as a spin bowler he's 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 fundamental to you know you can't argue with the with his effectiveness and also he's a he's a very fine tactician you, you, you've seen yeah. even in the in the t10s as well with captaining in the t10s he's a he's a guy who you'd want to have him on on the pitch you know morgan is probably going to lead england for this t20 if not the next one but with uh, Morgan, Butler, Moeen, there's a brains trust there that you would really want to lean on um, in any given situation. So I would, I'm looking forward to him just reminding people of his of his quality because obviously you know he fell off a cliff at the wrong moment last summer and and that's impacted everything that everyone said about him in recent times. But you forget how damn good he was in 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 that run towards England becoming world world champions. Um, he was absolutely instrumental in 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 changing the, the the perceptions of of England's white ball cricket. And so I hope I hope he 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 comes out refreshed, firing and, and does his bit. Ironically, I think he hasn't played a T20 international since 2018. Man, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. But again, that, that, that just goes to show the the way they the way they're using white ball cricket at the minute, just a development squad or or, yeah. or, or pre- uh, preparation and the schedule as well. Um the ODIs of course um are yeah, we're back to development, and that, but there are three T20s to come after that. So there'll be no, uh, well, no Archer for any of it anymore. No uh, Butler, Stokes, Wood for the ODIs. Uh, there are eight of the, the World Cup winning squad uh, involved. So I think that's that's Morgan, Moeen, uh, Johnny Besto, Tom Curran, Adil Rashid, uh, Joe Root, Jason Roy, and Chris Wokes. Um, but I guess uh, everyone's just excited to see what Tom Banton can do if he gets a chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's slightly odd, actually, that Banton's only part of the 50-over squad, I thought. I wonder if there'll be a temptation um, mm. to keep him on if he if he um, 
goes off like we know he can. And, he had a decent big bash. He did, yeah, very good. I think Pretty once, promise. I think once he left um, and was replaced by Ab De Villiers, the that, heat properly <laughs> imploded and their, their season fell off. Overseas, so, uh, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the the two others that I'm interested to see um, are Matt Parkinson and Saqib Mahmood. Um, I think Mahmood, he was by far and away the best seamer in the 50 over cup last summer. Um, and is a is a rare English bowler in that he can reverse swing a white ball, um, which which is a skill that we have seen very few people manage to to achieve um, since the current set of regulations with two new balls came in. Um, and then Parkinson is obviously the, the sort of Rashid replacement, I suppose. And by all accounts, they're quite a chastening time of it. And then that's um, I think he's a he's a sort of lively enough character that it, it won't have phased him too much. Um, but it would be a huge fillip for England if they can um, have a sort of ready-made replacement for Rashid because there, there has been a question mark over his fitness for the best part of 12 months with a shoulder problem um, and going into that um, T20 World Cup um, in, in the immediate term it would be a, a huge thing if they could have a couple of wrist spinners rather than just one uh, and in, a, in, long, in the longer term, um, it's, it's probably fair to doubt whether Rashid is going to be um, floating around by 2023. Um, and Parkinson seems to be the next best uh, wrist spinner at the moment with uh, Mason Crane off on the Lions tour and the white ball squads there is a sort of one to keep an eye on, I suppose. Um, talking of players who've been out at the Big Bash League uh, making an impression, Tom Curran had a bit of a storming season for... Uh, Sydney Sixers uh, Chris Jordan uh, was uh, involved I think it's fair to say <laughs> nothing more spectacular than that for Perth Scorchers he could play his first ODI since 2016 um, but there is no Liam Dawson World Cup winner Liam Dawson in the squad <laughs> yeah. and uh, Renaissance man Joe Denley <laughs> will get another crack potentially Joe Denley in his leg spin I mean <laughs> he, 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 un- unstoppable but no, but no yeah, interesting point with, with, with Curran I mean it's uh, Curran and, and, and uh, his his ability to to be a big stage player again is one of those one of those guys that I think England need to cultivate for for certainly for 2023 I think you know that, that that's if that's the the ultimate end game of defending a world it's all very well winning one of one or two or both of the T20s but really you know, as defending champions in the, in the 50 over format, that's something that England have got to have uh, more than half an eye on, and and developing the the guys who are going to come in and replace, uh, you know, obviously Plunkett and Wokes and Co. who who are so instrumental, and I think Tom Curran, you know, you know, give give him a give him a death over and and tell him to be a hero, and he he generally comes good. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, yeah, take take inspiration from his brother, apart from anything else, because you know Sam Curran is. Uh, they both they're both cut from the same cloth, quite literally, and it's uh, they 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 both have something imperceptible about about bringing a games to big stages, and um, yeah, I, I think he's he's definitely one who England should really build the team around. Certainly, the bowling side of it. And Sam Curran's another interesting inclusion in the squad, actually, because I think he's only played two or three ODIs. Um, through a quirk of his his sort of slightly strange in and out career so far, but um, he seems to have uh, leapfrogged David Willey as the the left arm all round option. He can swing the new ball, um, and yeah, he, he again it's he's a bit of an unknown entity in in one day cricket. Weirdly enough, despite the fact he's um, earned all his IPL millions, but yeah, I, I think um, as a possible long term option and maybe the sort of the the slow end the the slower end of the 80 mile an hour um 
spectrum compared to quite a few guys who are bowling sort of high 80s low 90s in that squad um yeah he's he's one to watch and also a possible man to balance the side as a number seven depending on um where things end up it might be moeen at seven and him at eight but um with no butler in there it's um a, a slightly different balance Okay, well, I'm sure it'll be uh, lots of fun uh, in the coloured clothing, as we've come to expect. Uh, We will leave it there for this week. Uh, England have come from behind to win a Test Series overseas for the first time since 2012. Surely that's worth a few bongs from Big Ben. As always, the saga continues, and we'll be back for more during the limited over series. And now my thanks to Miller, Matt and Butch, and to you all for listening to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. (laughs) 